Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 156. Did you know that God gives you power? He gives you the power to overcome anything that the world may throw at you. So how do we get this power? How do we use this power in our lives? Let's find out today in our devotion about how to live a life with God's power. I played squash regularly with a group of friends. We were all about the same standard. We almost took it in turns to win or lose. Nevertheless, winning feels good. The feelings of pleasure and satisfaction that accompany victory are quite natural. This is, of course, a trivial example. The victory that is at the centre of today's passage is of a totally different order and significance. But even the tiniest and most insignificant victory gives us a taste of its meaning and joy. The great victory of God that we read about in the New Testament is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. The ultimate victory of God came with the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus and the outpouring of his Spirit who gives you power to live a life of victory. From Proverbs 14 Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways, and the good rewarded for theirs. Victory of goodness. The fool in the book of Proverbs does not mean someone lacking intelligence. Rather, it means the rebel especially against God and the laws of decency and justice. The mocker, the foolish, the wicked, the faithless come to a sticky end. Their path ends in death. On the other hand, the book of Proverbs is full of teaching about the importance of righteousness and holiness. We read here about a truthful witness, the upright, the good. The implication is that the righteous will in some way outlast death and will flourish and be rewarded. In other words, they will ultimately be victorious. A moral life is a favoured life. Lord, help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to be faithful in all my ways and to do the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to do. New Testament from Acts 2 Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God, He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call.
those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Victory of Jesus The church should be a place of celebration, exuberation and joyful. We should be the most positive people in the world, constantly celebrating Jesus and the victory of God. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, explains the great victory of Jesus. He speaks about his life, ministry, death, and in particular, his resurrection. He gives four reasons why you can be sure that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and therefore you can be sure that through his power within you, you will be raised to life with him. First, logical. Satan's power of death could not possibly be stronger than the power of life in God's Messiah. Peter explains, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Second, biblical. He points out that the resurrection was prophesied. In Psalm 16, Peter says, David was a prophet and knew that God had promised on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. Third, personal. Peter gives his own testimony. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Peter says, in effect, we've all seen him. Fourth, experiential. The experience of the Holy Spirit is in itself evidence of the resurrection. After the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus came the final act in his saving ministry. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This experience was not confined to those who were present on the day of Pentecost. It is for every Christian. It is for you. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Every time someone experiences the Holy Spirit, it is further evidence of the resurrection. Every time you see someone being filled with the Holy Spirit or hear their testimony of how the Holy Spirit has changed their life, it is further evidence of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit enables us to recognize the truth of the words of Peter. You crucified Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus died for my sins. I killed Jesus. My personal sin was present on the cross. The day I recognized this, I too was cut to the heart. It is this revelation that leads to true repentance. The way you receive the promise is by repentance, faith in Jesus, baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. The evidence that you have received the Holy Spirit will be seen in a changed life and a transformed community. The church is not only a place of celebration, exuberance, and joy. It should also be supremely a place of love. First, love for God. The church 
is a place full of love for God. They had a new love for the Bible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Much of this teaching is now enshrined in the New Testament. They had a new love for the sacraments. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They broke bread in their homes. They had a new love for prayer. The Spirit-filled church would be a praying church. Second, love for one another. The church should be marked by love for one another. They had a new desire to meet together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They continued to meet together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There was a new release of finances and generosity in giving. The Spirit-filled church will be a united church. Third, love for the world. The church should be filled with a love for the world. They were an outward-focused community performing signs and wonders. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Spirit-filled church will be an outward-looking church. Lord, thank you for the great victory of Jesus over sin and death. Please fill me again with the power of your Holy Spirit. Old Testament from 2 Samuel 7 and 8 Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? How great you are, Sovereign Lord! There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, whom you redeemed from Egypt? And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. Sovereign Lord, you are God, your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. Victory everywhere you go. The victory of Jesus was foreshadowed in the life of David. There are over a thousand references to David in the Bible. He was an anointed Messiah, King. The Lord gave him rest from all his enemies around him. Nathan the prophet said to David, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord was with him. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. We see in David's prayer an example to follow. First, praise for God's greatness. David had both a sense of his own unworthiness in the presence of God and at the same time a realization of the greatness of God. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. He praises God for his redemption of his people. Second, passion for God's name. David is passionate to see God's name honored. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. Third, promise for God's family. David trusts in God's word. He goes on to ask for one more thing. Bless my family. Keep your eye on them always. You've already as much as said that you would, Master God. Oh, may your blessing be on my family permanently. God made a covenant with David. Whereas God had been dwelling in a tent, he promises to establish a house for David. He promises, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Only in Jesus were the promises of the Davidic covenant fulfilled. The human kings failed. 
but there remained the hope of a future king who would fulfill the kingship ideal. Jesus was the son of David. As he entered Jerusalem, the people cried out, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. However, the victory of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus were far greater than anyone had anticipated. They were achieved not by a conquering king winning physical battles, but by a dying saviour winning the great spiritual victory over sin, guilt, addiction, fear, and even death itself. We see from the example of Jesus that victory is not always glamorous or even obvious, but God promises you, as he promises David, that his power will be with you wherever you go, and that in Christ, ultimately, you will be victorious. Lord, like David, I feel a sense of unworthiness in your presence. Who am I, O Sovereign Lord? Thank you that in Christ you promised to give me your power, to be with me and to help me wherever I go. Pepper adds, In Acts 2 verse 22, we see all Peter's friends who must have been so pleased and proud in the good sense when he stood up and gave his first sermon. They had been with Peter through all his ups and downs and failures. Now the anointing of God was on him. The last three years had been a preparation for this moment. It is wonderful to see people who have been through their struggles finding their calling. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you give me power. Help me to use this power that you give me to take hold of my life and to choose your ways every single day. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me with power to overcome anything that I come up against today. Help me to live like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.